Hi Vandana, welcome to The Right Creed and uh, we're really happy to have you here. Now, Vandana Taligaukar is an educator in Baroda and she's been in the field of education for I think almost two decades, is it Vandana? Yes, a little more than that. A little more than that, yes. <laughs> so, thank you for joining us and today we'll be talking about uh, uh, you know, storytelling in the classroom, how students use writing to express themselves. Uh, we'll be also talking about Vandana's career. And uh, in this whole, uh, uh, you know, ecosystem of social media and, you know, the visual media coming in, whether writing is becoming more and more obsolete or whether students are still taking to writing as a form of expression, you know, so we'll be discussing these points. And uh, Vandana, I would like you to start with something about what it's been like over the past two and a, two and a half decades almost, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Thank you, Risha. Uh, so uh, let me also now uh, look back at my journey in education. Uh, I would like to uh, describe it as having had the chance to see different types of students. I have uh, got opportunity to teach to rural students, urban students, students of uh, school, uh, maybe primary as well as secondary, and students in higher education so uh, that is how I have seen students across levels and uh, at a different uh, uh, context rural students and urban students for example you know if you if you match primary school rural versus primary school urban like what, what, yes. what has been the prime difference there uh, the difference is in terms of, uh, of course, exposure, but the exposure is of a different level. We have to uh, understand the contexts of the exposure that the students bring in. At the same time, there is a slight difference in terms of what is considered important by the rural students and what is considered important by the urban students and then that decides uh, how uh, committed, sincere or dedicated they are in the classrooms. So this is one stark difference uh, that I have noticed. Uh, across uh, levels, of course, as the exposure uh, differs, uh, the students also uh, try to understand what actually interests them. So in that sense, uh, you can see the students exploring different uh, areas and uh, maybe that uh, gets interpreted by teachers who are on somehow other side of the table as they are uh, sincere in certain uh, uh, courses or not so sincere. But I have uh, begun to see that, you know, it is an exploratory stage for them also. So that is how I would describe the experience of uh, dealing with different types of students. Okay. And then coming on to like university students now, like, you know, you have uh, uh, taught across faculties as well within within the same university and in different universities. So what 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 do you see like in terms of vis-a-vis -vis students who come from uh, different socioeconomic backgrounds, uh, uh, maybe uh, 
problems, uh, you know, different languages, different kinds of exposures, you know, what do you, uh, how, what, what, what kind of a mix do you see in a classroom in terms of, uh, you know, when you're trying to uh, get across an idea or communicate an idea to the, uh, communicate a point to them, uh, the difference in exposure, how does that play? Uh, play out in the classroom, you know, like uh, whether they are able to grasp a concept or not. How does that? How how do you, do you see a very a wide difference there in terms of where they where they their you know in terms of their origins, you know, whether that plays a plays a part in understanding a certain concept in class or not. Okay, uh, very very. Uh significant point uh, what I have found and uh, what I have then begun to practice is uh, the uh, contexts have to be first uh, understood uh, by a teacher and uh, the examples and the type of explanations that we give in the classroom somehow must be able to touch the different contexts and then uh, I think uh, the students also understand and uh, they also feel included in the classroom because it is a given that there will be a heterogeneity in terms of varied backgrounds. Now how do I as a teacher bring them all on the same platform is uh, a challenging task and what I try to do and what I often as I discuss with my colleagues also that we uh, give examples across sections of society across uh, different types of people so I think uh, that helps to reach to all kinds of students how do you do that with, uh, with the help of stories, uh, with the help of visual media, with the help of uh, you know literary aids or books or papers? I mean, because uh, because also like you know different students have uh, so when you're sitting in a classroom, some students might be very uh, adept to using technology. You know, they they'll be the ones you know who pick up anything. You talk about technology and they'll take it up while then there'll be another set of students who prefer the flow learning method of like you know having the books and the printouts and the xeroxes and uh, reading and writing like that you know so uh, how do you get them to the same page yeah it's it's a very very difficult job I but um, I, I mean it, there is so much of heterogeneity in terms of the context and now this is a new uh, kind of a dimension that has been added so uh, what we have to do what i have started doing and uh, is um, yeah, we allow different forms of uh, engaging yeah so uh, there are some who are uh, comfortable only with technology so we allow them and there are some who really go back to the uh, regular method of you know making notes uh, we allow that also but uh, this requires letting pacing in the class because the speeds for both these types are very different and uh, Aisha uh, I have uh, uh, found a very interesting thing that happened just uh, recently now as uh, in-campus in-person classrooms in uh, smaller groups is uh, allowed so I saw a few students in my class they have brought notebooks 
and uh, they take notes this is a this is a very interesting uh, departure from the previous practices where uh, everything has to be uh, clicked as a picture oh. and later to be referred yeah so that transition now to this transition of uh, manually writing and asking me to pause so that they write is a very interesting uh, development and i asked also them they're like why are you writing of course i am happy that they write because writing is not only the act of writing it involves so many things so i asked why do you write uh, so they say no it helps us to understand so i'm very happy that uh, they have uh, uh, they have begun to realize that uh, writing is only not an act but it is more a part of learning also so the, it it also helps you to assimilate all the information you get like you said it's a very important part of learning but i wanted to ask you like uh, so pandemic covid you know everything's moved on fine right and it's a uh, it's is that way you discover that kids are the students are have started writing uh, like at home or is it like this has happened before uh, before covid as well i see writing uh, in two ways one is this act of learning as a learning tool when they are making notes and uh, making uh, so which helps them to understand what they are listening to or reading and the second uh, the second aspect is uh, expressing oneself creatively or composing uh, organizing your ideas on a particular topic so um, what i have uh, observed is uh, the act of writing where you are you have to deal with ideas and you have to organize some content in a particular way uh is a, s- a slightly challenging task for the students okay. and uh, what uh, i have uh, but i i have made uh, writing a very uh, mandatory kind of exercises in the classroom understanding that it is important for them to learn to think so i always tell them that uh, writing is actually thinking so if there is a challenge in writing let us see whether our thinking is organized if that gets organized i think writing becomes a slightly easier job so the second part of writing is challenge and uh, uh, i am also working on it and i am also interacting with the students to understand how best i can help them to uh, get to the act of writing uh, do you see a difference between the way the uh, Uh, the way students express themselves in the vernacular languages or in their own mother tongues versus say english which is not really a foreign language but it is relatively foreign to somebody who has probably grown up speaking one mother tongue or maybe one other language which might not be english so what do you see the difference with this, the way they express themselves in the class in the while writing at idea level both are uh, uh, comparable mm-hmm. 
but when it comes to the expression of the idea i have uh, had uh, such experiences where the sometimes even those students who are uh, quite proficient uh, in english language uh, are looking for a way to express what they think and what they think they explain to me in their regional language okay. and then we have to find a way huh? so uh, now um, expressing oneself absolutely well uh, requires a real uh, good uh, control i would say over the tools of language yeah, yeah. yeah. so uh, that is where the struggle is there but there are quite a few who are also very uh, uh, very well versed with you know how to use the language to the best so there are a few very good uh, such students but largely i think uh, it is uh, it it does need little help yeah because the problem it, it, it is gets, you know like there was a uh, there was a classic question that came up this uh, this morning you know somebody was looking for somebody to uh for a uh, for an ai and artificial intelligence uh, to uh, transcribe uh, uh some youtube videos and uh, yes and i mentioned to uh, to him that uh, if it's english if it's only english then you have like software like auto you know that works but indians typically don't speak one language you know <laughs> we always all have sentences where we mix like two or maybe three and then there be an acha and then there be something else <laughs> yes it's <laughs> so, it's true I mean, yeah we think we know all of them and in reality we don't know any you know your social media okay and this whole sms lingo that has come into the classroom and also in the examination papers <laughs> you know yes, students yes. submitting assignments <laughs> in that i mean like uh, and, and and this whole idea of everything being in the form of okay we'll uh, we'll do a picture or we'll make a film or something you know where they have to everything is visual you know they don't want to uh, sit and put things in words <laughs> yes that kind of stuff i mean how do you how do you deal with that uh, it's it's actually quite tough because uh, i i i also try to understand where the students come from because they are uh, living in an ecosystem which is uh, having only visuals all around them so even if you try to explain uh, that language is equally important uh, they don't see the samples around so they feel like is it it is it really that necessary is the visual not uh, communicating what we communicate and then uh, if it is communicating why do you need the language so that is a challenge uh, which uh, i think all the teachers have to deal with all the time but uh, there is another problem of um, the students not understanding that even if it is visual there has to be some thought into it so it is visual is only a expression medium or an expression style or a format what you want to do and what you want to convey is the 
first and the most important uh, point on which you need to think about so uh, do i have a straight answer for this i don't think so because we are all engaged within day in and day out but this fact is true that uh, the visuals are drawing away the students from uh, use of language and uh, sh- yeah right or the probably like yes. I want to use fewer uh, alphabets in the words you know so, yes. so that's how language is evolving like maybe like 20 years from now sms lingo will be the language in english you know <laughs> it it may be it may be yes yes you know, but you know when yeah. it also makes us uh, sorry it just makes us also uh, makes lots of demands on guessing what exactly is being communicated maybe we are from a different generation so it takes little while but uh, this is also little uh, difficult to say like um, I, 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 what exactly do you want to say and is it getting communicated to what you are trying to say so yeah i mean it's uh, it's, it's, it's they could be using the same words like okay for a lot of things of cool for a lot, lot of, of things, things you know so what what yeah. exactly is cool <laughs> <laughs> you know like, i mean if it's a yes and no answer uh, you know cool doesn't really fit it right because you don't know whether yes. cool is like a maybe or it could be a yes <laughs> yes so It, it, it's very difficult but you know uh, now that you have pointed out i also appreciate the uh, language of the current generation they say cool so you know what i think is it is moving away from the hierarchy see yes and no is binary yeah. you're agreeing you're disagreeing but yeah. cool is like fine <laughs> so that is also a very interesting dimension of the ecosystem in which they live but yes uh, there's lot of guessing and contextual realizing that is required yeah i know i mean and it's, it's, it's becoming so is it becoming like increasingly difficult to teach the newer batches because uh, you know the way you have been taught like uh, the way you or you been taught in school and college when you were there versus the way the kids nowadays uh, the kind of exposure they are they have and they expect to be taught and there is an expectation here like you know when when we yes. were, when we were in school and college we took the teacher for like the teacher was god pretty much you know so you kind of like yes. you know took that and had a had that kind of respect and binding and obedience you know which over the generations the obedience factor is becoming less and less and now it's more like a give and take kind of a thing you know and there there's always this uh, there was a very interesting uh, uh proposition that one of the universities had you know uh, i think it was in singapore that they said do we look at the student as a product of the university or as a product <laughs> of the university <laughs> yeah, yeah. Are you providing a service, <laughs> or are you manufacturing <laughs> your product? <laughs> you know? 
which is a pretty interesting shift, you know, because uh, I mean, I remember my college would say, or my school would say that these are the products of our school. Like, literally, like, you know, student was a product. This is what we manufactured, this is how we shaped them, this is, <laughs> this is what we've done yes. to them, and this is how we send them out in the world, you know, and, and, right. ha- and we have our stamp on XYZ perfect, you know, that is what it is. Nowadays, increasingly because of the, also a lot of, uh, not because of the self-funded courses and stuff, I mean, like, you know, it's a, uh, there's this whole thing of uh, looking at uh, uh, the student-university relationship has become more like a client and uh, service relationship, you know, so, <laughs> so, so wherever, what do you, what do you think about that and what do you say about that? Uh, there is definitely a shift and uh, 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 this word two terms are very interesting product and uh, client so how I would like to look at it is uh, product uh, would uh, uh, suggest that uh, whatever influences are there are have been provided by the educational institution and therefore you claim that whatever the person has become is because of the institution Mm -hmm. but if you look at the current times um, there are more than uh, uh, the institutional influences uh, on the uh, a student's life, be it at uh, uh, school education or at the university level. And at the university level, of course, the exposure is too large to many influences. So, what can uh, one, uh, what can a teacher's role be in this situation? Is I think um, uh, helping, uh, facilitating to connect the dots because the dots are available everywhere. I have seen students currently who have say I've just taken a one hour free class it was available and I learned this small thing about it so fine which is actually quite a good attitude and uh, why should education and knowledge not be available freely at any time that's a very nice uh, aspect of current times but then what can an educational institution do here so moving a little towards client though I wouldn't like to use the term client is uh, facilitating in just connecting these dots which are available through different uh, nodes in addition to the university so that is definitely a shift and if the one uh, uh, the institution which is able to uh, do this very well will have a better influence on the student okay all right on that note i'm going to end this episode thank you so much uh, vandana for joining me Jaisha, i too liked it and thank you for having me on this platform